Hi guys, welcome to episode 100 of Manling Sci-Fi Sanctuary, where we talk about George Powell's War of the Worlds. Uh, just a little warn- warning, towards the end of this podcast, we start talking about, like, the tone of this film and what it was trying to capture and how it was trying to recreate the feeling of being in Europe during World War II for an American audience. And um, Matt tells a really fucking grim story about some shit that happened in World War II. And if you're not in the mood to hear that, then maybe just be warned. <laughs> like, it, I think... He doesn't drop it flippantly. It's relevant to the discussion, but it's fucking horrible. And the podcast that I heard the story from um, also had a content warning. So, yeah. <laughs> and that was about classical music. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll shout that out. That's the uh, Sticky Notes podcast episode uh, on Shostakovich's 13th Symphony. And they'll get into a lot more detail than I did if you really want to learn about horrible things. You're missing the stop button. Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the Pantheon of Mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. Episode 100, War of the Worlds. In the year 1953, Mars was in its closest position to Earth, and for once it actually did affect humans' destinies. All right. How about, uh, what, what, what's book date? Book? Um, it came out in, like, 1898. Six. Okay, eight. I'll trust you on that. Right. So, uh, you might be right. Um, but it's, it also, the book just says, in the last years of the 19th century. Right, right. No, yeah, I guess you don't look at the publishing date for an H.G. Wells book. Being because it came out as a bunch of magazines and then a book and then an edited book and then... Oh, yeah, that they didn't know how to put out books back in the day, did they? <laughs> That's why Charles Dickens got paid by the word. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yes, it's H.G. Wells' book turned into a movie. It is The War of the Worlds. Yeah. The World of War. That's Earth, man. Well... This film does that weird thing of opening with a recap of the previous two wars. Yeah, my first notice says this is a sequel to World War II, is it? Yeah, it's like, in World War I, Europe was at war, and in World War II, we invented machines, and now we're going to fight with super giants. Right on. I always forget that bit's there when I rewatch this film, because it it does not fit the tone of anything that follows. I guess we should do all this introductory crap, me being Matt. Me being Luke. This being a sci-fi sanctuary. You being you. Yes. We being us. Everyone is one. Yes, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't... I guess I've seen this before. Okay. (laughs) That's the best I could do. I mean, I I guess, you know, the the tripods with no legs are such a standard for sci-fi image. Yeah. And then, you know, the beats of the story actually, you know, I, I guess I read the book when I was like 13, right? I think you're a much uh, more often reader on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, the one I've reread a few times is The Time Machine. So I guess my jam is The Time Machine, but your jam is War of the Worlds. Same director, same writer, so whatever. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I grew up with, um, for some reason, my family is super into the Jeff Wayne War of the Worlds musical. So I've got huge nostalgia for that. I love the atmosphere of that. I find it really creepy. Um, And because of that, I then went on to read the book. I think I was around 13 the first time I read the book. Is Um, some reason because your hometown is HUL's hometown? Yeah, but it's not my dad's hometown. Ah, okay. But yeah, I was born in Woking, which is where HUL's lived and where the start of War of the Worlds is set. And we've got big metal statues of the tripods there. But my dad's side of the family is not from there at all. And I think it was my dad who had, you know, the vinyls and then the CD and then everything else. So it just rocks. Yeah, just, okay. just we just happen to think it's dope as hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the first time I read the book was like a... I read it on a web page. <laughs> because it's a fucking old book, you can do that. No, I think I got it from the elementary school book fair. I mean, I own several copies of it now, but yeah. No, they just set it up like... Um, 
you know, um, maybe twice a year in like one corner of a hallway, like off to the side goes to the outward door. They'd like yeah. set make the little bookstore for a day or two. Yeah, we used to get that thing as well. Yeah, that was always very exciting. It's like, hey, I'm at school, but I'm shopping. That's exciting. Yeah, I would always just buy UFO books. Well, I bought War of the World, so. Not far <laughs> <off>. <laughs> About the same. <laughs> but I don't think, I didn't watch this film until, I don't know, I guess I was like 18, 19, and I bought a DVD copy. Because, similar to how I said I'd never watched Dune, because my parents were like, no, it's nothing like the book, it's shit. <laughs> I'd heard that about this. I mean, it is pretty different from the book, mm. but I think it captures the tone of the book really well. Yeah, it's mostly a case of location, really. Well, and, um, and, you know, higher technology. They don't try to nuke it in the uh, book, the, the big difference for me is the main character is way less isolated and way more involved. The main character in the book is just an observer. He's a nobody. Right. Well, there's, compared to a normal action movie or sci-fi movie, there, he's still pretty much a spectator here. Yeah. I mean, he's running through the... I mean, yeah, but we'll get into but, it because what they do with him is actually kind of smart. But, yeah, it, just, it doesn't... He, like, goes... He speaks to generals and he's an advisor and he sees the secretary of defense or whatever it, that the book is not like that at all he's just a random journalist yeah as for me i think i've seen it before i think i might even own the dvd in america but i certainly mm. haven't seen it since the tom cruise version right <laughs> so I, I guess i should just throw that out there yeah there's of course there's the tom cruise version which i dig in its own way but there's also like the same year the tom cruise one came out like three or four straight to dvd low budget ones came out as well <laughs> We should, like, do all of those. I was think that's what I was going to say. And then since then, there's been, like, a British TV series and a French TV series, neither of which I've seen yet. There's a fucking um, animated sequel where humanity builds its own mechs to fight the tripods, which I'm looking forward to watching. Do they succumb to Martian uh, bacteria? I don't know. I haven't seen okay. it yet. <laughs> um, the Awesome Wells radio player I only listened to recently for the first time. I've never actually listened to that one, so how, how, what was your take on that? It's all right. It's like only like 50 minutes long. Um, so this one transplants it to America and updates it a lot. Mm -hmm. That one just transplants it to America, and then it's more or less the same story. Oh, okay. They're still tripods. They still have the same tech. Yeah, I, I guess just... Um, actually, it, last night, it was because of baseball, not because of, um, of War of the Worlds, actually. But I was just... I was trying to actually find podcasts of like, some interesting like vintage radio stuff. But I should have gone for War of the World. Oops. Yeah. I ended up listening to, like, a tiki broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why was it because of baseball? Um, just thinking of the commentary stuff. It was weird. I was, I was watching the DS9, the Deep Space Nine okay. episode where they do the holodeck baseball. And then I remembered, my, I've never been a baseball fan, but sometimes when I was a kid, I'd put on the jazz radio or, like, the baseball broadcast while going to sleep. And I was like, oh, I'll try something like that again. So I ended up with, like, a tiki broadcast in the end because you know, that seemed, like, more fun. It just makes me think of that scene in Captain America where he wakes up in the future and they put on the old baseball for him. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And accidentally picks one that he's been to. <laughs> but, yeah, you can actually find a, a lot oh, of I'm games sure you on, can. online. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, you wouldn't think they're there until you think, oh, they must be there, and they are there because... There's a lot of stuff for boomers online, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's even older than me, boomer, isn't it? Yeah, that, 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 I'm actually referring to boomers yeah, you're now. I'm referring not just to the real boomers. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're referring to the real boomers there. <laughs> Um, how about referring to the story of this one then? Yeah, let's do it. falls down in Nowheresville, USA, but luckily some Pacific Tech scientists are fishing nearby. One of them hangs around, Forrester I think is his name, ends up, you know, schmoozing with the parson's daughter, investigates the big media, discovers it's hollow, oh it's full of Martians! They come out, they start zapping shit, they're zapping all the shit! He goes on the run, he hides in a house, he sees a Martian, they develop the technique to defeat the Martians, but oh, humanity destroys it because they're rioting idiots, but then the Martians all die of the cold. Hmm. And that took worse than well as an hour, did it? Yeah. <laughs> Bitch. So, partially that was a really quick synopsis because I didn't bother to write one. 
Um, partly it's because I don't think I need to tell anyone the plot of War of the Worlds. Yeah, I but also, assumed it wasn't going to take you that long. This isn't really like a story film. It's like a tone piece. Yeah, kind of. Like most of it, like most of what I love about this film is just the mood. It feels really oppressive. Yeah. Like you get that feeling of like, we can't beat these things. Yeah. I, hmm. No, I'm thinking more of the farmhouse scene where the, the Tom Cruise one just gets that one. Oh, the, we'll get to that later. The yeah. Tom Cruise one fucking nails that shit yeah. really hard. But then the impressionist of the world. Yeah, I, I, I guess we'll start by, as usual, doing the, doing the actors a little bit. Mm. But um, it does have the When Worlds Collide issue of like everyone is lily white. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't notice it as hard in this because this isn't supposed to be everyone we're bothering to save. Right. This is just some characters. Yeah, so. they, they mention India, you know, a few times or something. But, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, there is a Mexican guy. Oh, right, right. He gets killed real quick, though. Yeah. <laughs> so does most characters in this. But. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, yeah, yeah, because I was just writing the note. I was like, oh, there is, there's this one guy. Okay. So, I uh, yeah. I wrote, uh, I guess the guy in the middle isn't a honky, but he doesn't seem PC. He <laughs> <laughs> wasn't the most egregious. Like, no, he wasn't that bad. I was just, it was like right at that moment I was starting to have the, the thought. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and who would turn down a sugar sack? Martians. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there don't be sugar on Mars. Maybe that was really offensive. Maybe those guys actually started the war. Ah, yeah. Like how they thought the doves did it with Noah. No, Uncle Matthew started Artifacts. the war. Yeah. <laughs> I never try to preach at him. I guess, uh, by the way, not, not father, but uncle. Um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll give you that little... Um, oh, did sign. I say father? You did say father. I meant to say um, uncle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I meant to say the past, pastor's niece, but I guess I said pastor's daughter. No, I kept up the, uh, the score. So at one point, Martians 5, Jesus 0. By the end of the movie, it's Martians 7, Jesus 0, Bacteria 1. <laughs> That's where my uh, score counts. So... <laughs> See, I've, I think the line about how um, the humblest creatures which God in his wisdom put on the earth, was I think that was added in a later edition of the book. Because the book is goes super in-depth into evolution and shit, <laughs> which I don't think went down well with certain parties in 1896. So. It wouldn't go down well with certain parties now. <laughs> yeah, but also no one would listen to them when they demanded changes, right? Yeah. How long did it take for... Theory of evolution become like okay, you know, parlor talk. I thought it was in like your lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it depends what state you're in if you're American. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it, it very quickly was taken on board in a certain parts of Europe during the forties. Yeah, <laughs> which may be delayed. It's people getting on board with it. Maybe. Well, California is weird because it's very much I think a city countryside thing because mm. they, they do go out of the way to make the um, the. Country California folks look, you know, as podunk as possible. Mm. <laughs> like, way out. I mean, it's probably like 30 miles out of L.A., you know? Yeah. They're just, what, southwest of Corona? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that came through a few times. Um, we, we, I keep saying actors, but there's nothing much to say, is there? Um, I think the main dude is pretty good. Yeah, he's... he's I mean... He's got that total... He's just he's total 50s, 50s leading man. Yeah. There's... Um, they give him some glasses. Just comedy to shake it up sheriff and make at the start is great. Oh yeah, comedy sheriff. But yeah, any you know anyone you see that's not one of the main characters is going to get vaporized by the yeah. space penis before too long. So yeah, the the main female lead is like pure. She's there to scream and stuff and be rescued. Oh yeah, yeah. She, was she drives a bus, I guess, hysterical. but she's not really. This isn't a you know feminist. <laughs> No. Forerunner or anything. That that doesn't that doesn't impress me. I can drive a bus. <laughs> I wrote. You know what this movie needs? The uh, L.A. New Age girl that got vaporized in Independence Day. She's great. Yeah, she's <laughs> missing from this movie. So, <laughs> um, anyone else? We a couple of Oak Ridge boys. Uh, more rednecks. More rednecks. Lots of rednecks. You got the old sciency types, but they're very generic fifties sci-fi movie sciency types. Yeah, this is this is not a character piece. That's definitely true. <laughs> um, although, even then, it tries to be more of a character piece than the book. Right, okay. Although, so... in, it doesn't actually, because in the book, although the main character is alone, he doesn't have the female companion like in this, or the kids like in the Tom Cruise one. He bumps into different characters, and there is a bit more of a character work with them. Mm. There's not really an equivalent of the artillery man in this one. And I guess there's her uncle, but there's not like the... 
they never meet anyone who's lost their faith in this. Right. Okay, yeah. In well, fact, they're just generally like around Powell, people more. Yeah. George Powell is like secretly, you know, making like what evangelical films more or less. Well, yeah. Or not so secretly. Not so secretly, yeah. Them, but. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in the 50s, it was like, hey, this is a sci-fi and people, probably, you wouldn't notice that as easily as it comes across now. I mean, yeah. Another movie where the climax takes place in a church, you know? Uh-huh. See, Guanji did that. Uh, you know, uh, they definitely make, in worlds when worlds collide, the ship in the end does look like a, a church or a temple of some sort, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, like a barn church. <laughs> yeah, so he that ascetic keeps coming through. I guess I don't know much that much about George Powell. I haven't read, like, a biography on him or anything. Yeah, but the more we realize this sort of stuff, he has a very odd fit for the amount of H.G. Wells he made. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, well, and we watched the one that H.G. Wells actually had some influence on, Shape of Things, and that's completely different, you know? Yeah. Did I get the title right this time? Shape of Think, Things to Come? Things to Come. I think the book is Shape of Things to Come. Okay. The film was just Things to Come, I, and then the Ed Sheeran song is Shape of You. No, no, I'm thinking of the Yardbird songs, because <laughs> I'm the older fart. And also, that's an awesome song. Not not the Sheeran one, sorry. <laughs> Sheeran one's all right. It, it's there, it plays on the radio, right? Yeah, that's the only reason I know it's because it plays here in Japan sometimes. I'll jam out at midnight on the front porch to Yardbirds, though. <laughs> As I did last night. Huh. <laughs> um, you wanted to point out, I guess we're, we're doing characters then, so you had something you really wanted to point out between the um, the book version, the, the movie version of our protagonist. So I, st I started to touch on it, but yeah, so in... Um, towards the end of this film... They start doing the, like, classic UFO movie, oh, the scientists have come up with a way to beat them thing. Like, like Independence Day does, just straight up does. But that was them... They don't get to do that plan. He loses all of his equipment, and it is the book ending where disease kills them. And I feel like that was a nice little touch, because they knew audiences would be expecting the typical Hollywood ending where this scientist main character finds a way to save the day. So they sort of built you up to think that was happening <laughs> and then shoot it down. It's still hopeless. Everything's hopeless except for, you know... If you go to a church and believe. Well, uh, okay, I, I, I was about to say trusting the universe. <laughs> well, the reason the book ends that way is the whole book is meant to be, like, a critique of the British Empire. <laughs> the point is that the Martians are treating Britain the way Britain treated Africa. Mm. And the British all died of strange diseases when they kept going and sticking their noses in places they didn't belong. <laughs> so it was meant to be like kind of a poetic story. Right, right. Yeah, because what is it? The, well, these never translate to film, though. The Time Machine has the whole, like, you know, capitalism, Marxism thing going on. And, right. Uh, 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 that's the big difference between Jules Verne, I think. Jules Verne, also very cool. I actually kind of prefer Jules Verne for the most part, but his are a little more just, like, fantastical. Right. Uh, well, I think that's why I don't prefer Jules Verne. H.G. Mm. Wells always feels like he's trying to say something. Well, I would say that's the big plus on H.G. Wells. Yeah. But, you know, I, I just... 20,000 Leagues Under Sea is, like, my jam, right? Also, I just... I happen to... I probably... The fact that I like War of the World so much elevates the rest of H.G. Wells, which I don't necessarily like as much. And uh, my pillar for that, again, is the time machine, which I guess we'll have to be getting to. That, that'll sooner or later. Yeah, I, I enjoy the time machine, but I just love alien invasions. Right. <laughs> really good alien invasions. So there's like a giant coffee commercial in the middle of this thing. There is? Yeah, when they're in the um, military bunker or something, it's just like this weird fixation on coffee for like three minutes. Everyone's got a cup. There's a guy giving people coffee. I was like, it'd be kind of fun to go back and just like superimpose Starbucks logos <laughs> on all the cups of, of coffee. Um, the, the, do you remember that period about 10 years ago where films were doing that shit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like... Um, Oh, I guess it was more TV shows, but there was one great one. Um, How I Met Your Mother started having green screen billboards so they could change the adverts that were in the background. 
<laughs> and so it started advertising films that didn't exist when the episode was set and stuff. <laughs> oh, that's trippy. Yeah, I guess I didn't really run across that. Oh, here, it's a scene where um, they say, they like, nothing remains. What does that mean? I'm like, there's nothing fucking abstract about nothing remains. It's pretty yeah. clear. <laughs> so it was that scene. That was the coffee scene. So, okay. Um, just before that is where I thought I had taken a nap and was now watching MASH. I was just, I mean, just it was from the all the hillbillies and square dancing, like, directly to, like, you know, army jeeps and um, red crosses on helmets so yeah <laughs> i do enjoy the hillbilly square dance and shit just because i've got so little exposure to that in real life oh you've never been to a square never been to a square dance i didn't think you had but i i no no i got dragged off to line dancing a little bit different i did i've been to one or two um what kind of called now fucking ridiculous british one <laughs> but yeah, I remember in high school getting dragged off a few times to the line dancing. It was like in the in the big country bunker, right? I think they did have a live band, so that was kind of cool. So, um, you know, the, the but um, the one thing that I do remember actually being fun there because I wasn't like drinking. Morris yet. dancing. I've been Morris? Mor oh my god. Morris dancing. Okay. So you got like a big metal pole in the middle, and everyone's attached by What's a pole rib dancing? ribbon, and you do a big oh, dance around like the maypole thing. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The maypole. Anyway, back to my line dancing. The one thing there that was really fun because we weren't drinking yet was the uh, mechanical bull. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta have some fun with the mechanical bull. So yeah, I want to go to a rodeo just for that shit. They got mechanical bull at round one here. Oh, okay. Yeah, good laugh. Go break our necks on the mechanical bull. Record <laughs> a podcast from the mechanical bull. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for all the noise. <laughs> oh shit, he's dead. <laughs> That's how that one would probably go. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen in your notes you've done your typical thing of um, comparing the music to whichever classical composer you're thinking they're ripping off. Oh, it was just it was real hardcore in the opening credits. Just throwing that out there. All right. I don't, like, remember the music from this film. It's but I feel like there. it does a good job of just, like, mood. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It was just, like, they were, like, very directly quoting... I'll tell you what I do remember, together. though, is the sound effects. Those are definitely cool. Though, yeah, this film... Because, like, cartoons still just rip off these laser effects to this day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the sort of the throbbing, like, of the mountains just being there. Yeah, I thought, like I put in my notes here, I, the credits were weird. They seemed like super like 70s, which is pretty wild for 53. Did you, that, um, the end at the end as well, was like spinning 3D letters. Oh, right, right. <laughs> must so, have been hand animated because this was made in 53, so that was insane. Yeah, yeah. This is a big, Saul Bass, is it was a big credits guy. I don't know if he did this one or not, but uh, yeah, like Vertigo, he did like, you know, okay. North by Northwest Vertigo. He was the guy that, I think I got my gun the name wrong. Anyway, that guy made some awesome credits, and now I'm sitting here wondering if he had a hand in this. But yeah. Again. But yeah, the um, so there's like the noise of the Martians just existing. There's the heat ray noise. There's that other weird like green laser they shoot out the corners as well. Mm -hmm. They've all got great noises, and I feel like when I was watching like the Transformers 1980s cartoon. All of their sound effects were ripped off either from this or from Star Wars. Yeah, as well, I'll say the next big hit on, like, interesting sci-fi sound effects probably would be Star Wars. Ah, uh, you're missing one in between. Doctor Who. Oh, well... Shit that's... rips off the Dalek noise all the time. Yes, I ripped off the Dalek noise and put it in a song. There no, no, sorry, that was the TARDIS noise I ripped off. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one as well. But um, I was watching the Harley Quinn cartoon last night, and um, the Green Lantern makes Dalek noises when he uses his ring. Oh, that's cool. Okay, I'm down with that. Yeah. <laughs> are you still... Oh, you're not more sensing anymore. No. But, uh... Yeah, lots of metallic space phalluses. I got some cool band names. I, I hate to... Well, now I don't hate to be the cliche guy ripping on, ripping on band names for the uh, podcast, but... Uh, I mean, metallic space penis. Oh, no, I had a better one. For, well, first I had the electronic umbrella. I thought that would be a cool name for a shitty band. Okay. And, and then a few members of the Electronic Umbrella quit and started an even shittier band, the Metallic Phallus. The, um, I don't, I don't want to spend this whole podcast being the Tom Cruise one does it better, <laughs> but the Metallic Phallus is really phallic in that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we're talking about Tom Cruise and the Metallic Phallus, doing better isn't necessarily a good thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, you're, you're on it. I was just seeing if it was the title guy, you think. Okay. 
But I don't know where IMDb would list the guy who does the titles. <laughs> well, why don't you tell us about metallic phalluses and I could probably... Uh... Um, so there is a scene in the book, but it's like a... Because the, the big thing of the tripods in the book is they have like metallic tentacles. They're very mobile. Um, there's even a line in the book edition where he's like, oh, and the earlier documents after the invasion showed the tripods on very stilted metal legs, but that was inaccurate. Basically, it's him slagging off the guy who did the illustrations for the magazine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, yeah, because in this one, they're like, oh, they're invisible. They're tripods, <laughs> but they're invisible. And that's weird. You know, I did see this one as a, as a kid because they kept saying tripods, and I knew what a tripod was. I'm like, what? Yeah, but um, <laughs> as, well mean, as, just... as well as the three legs, it had a bunch of tentacles, which is how it did things. So there's a scene where they're hiding in the cellar, and instead of like a, an eye on the end of a tentacle, it's just a claw. It's just hooking at things and trying to grab them. Right. It's like reaching around in there. Um, so there, that scene is kind of from the book uh, and done pretty well. It's very creepy. <laughs> uh, but then the Martian itself, like, just then comes in and, like, touches her on the shoulder. Like, what's it playing at? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess I uh, was thinking signs too much because the alien's out, the Martian's out there, right? And I'm yeah. like, well, it can't just be out there. It, it, I feel like it's like the hatches. It's not like the hatches open and then the bacteria get in and the... But, I mean, they, they've apparently just been getting out and poking around and touching things. Of course they all caught diseases. Oh. Now, the opening was uh, Paul Freese, who was a... He, he did, like, uh, Disneyland ride uh, narrations and stuff. Huh. The one that was doing the... Um, you, first, you saw World War One. Okay, then... but not the, um, the actual bit from the book of the opening. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's something I wanted to talk about. The, um, this was made before we knew jack shit about the planets. Yeah. Oh, we're talking about why <laughs> talking you about walking on the surface of the gas giants. Yeah, that, that, that was pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, I can't slag them off for 70 years ago not knowing what I now know about planets. Hell, we don't know there's not like a solid core somewhere in there. In um, one of the Space Odyssey books, it, it apparently has a diamond core. That'd be cool. I mean, that's yeah. a Space Odyssey book. But uh, let's see. Story begins with a series of color map paintings by astronomical artist Chelsea Bonestell. Um... And it's a different narrator telling you about the hostile environment of each world. That's kind of weird. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not finding that info either, but I am finding that um, the last third of the film was originally going to be in 3D for the Martian attack. <laughs> like, like you know, that 50s 3D. I, yeah. I don't know. Would that make this movie better or worse? I mean, definitely worse because you'd have had a bunch of dumb shit where it comes with the camera and stuff. <laughs> I guess you haven't seen much SCTV. Have you ever uh, seen John Candy doing a Dr. Tongue? No. It's like Dr. Tongue's House of Pancakes or something. That's literally one of them. And it's just like, oh, do you want to have some pancakes? And then has the effect. As he just puts in the camera. Yeah, that, that's some funny shit. Um, so um, anyway, uh, the, the sorry, we I guess now we're just thinking about the credits in that much detail. So let's think more about the tripods, which we already... The tripods that are not tripods. They I'm, are a really iconic design. They are. <laughs> and they're so much... Because they don't really... They're not flying machines. So they're, they're coming through at street level. Right. And it's so much more intimidating than like the classic flying saucer flying overhead shit. Yeah, it's like an army invasion, right? Yeah, well, yeah. It, um, it reminds me a lot of when we eventually get to Star Wars Episode One, The like hovering tanks. They're more like tanks. They're rolling through your streets. That's a very post-World War II movie. Yeah, well, they, they, they spell that out for you. To World War II, <laughs> they yeah. spell that out for you, don't they? So I guess what this film was trying to do was... Um... So the first film was like, Britain has never been touched. Here's what it's like if a more powerful thing attacks you. This film was World War II devastated Europe, but America... Obviously, troops went abroad and died. But there was no fighting on America soil, right? Right. So this is this is what it would be like if the Germans rolled into your town. Mm -hmm. I guess was the point of this film. Um, and then yeah, the two thousand five one, it's like the most post post nine eleven movie ever made. Like, <laughs> so War of the Worlds works best when it is trying to like. It's using the aliens as a way to give you a feeling that people around the world are actually feeling. Yeah, for their nuclear red herring, this was definitely a weird spot for that. As um, they just, you know, like in the 50s, you could have a well-mannered science experiment, experiment in a Martian invasion, you know? Yeah. It's like, going to be a bomb dropping tonight. <laughs> well, the, I like this, the way that until the bomb dropped, 
everyone was just like, well, we're going to drop the nuke and it's all going to be sold. <laughs> so that's why they were being like that, right? Yeah. It's like, well, these Martians have been a nuisance, but don't worry, we're nuking them tonight, problem solved. <laughs> and it's like, oh shit, that didn't work. Yeah, so it's like, okay, everyone, pull on your goggles, going to be an explosion. I mean, they, they're all, they've all been irradiated. They're not going to have hair next week. Yeah. <laughs> so. Or balls. <laughs> exactly. So, because um, it was still, I guess that, I feel like the H-bomb was a thing by 53. They're still saying A-bomb here. I, I, you said the same thing when we watched um, Duck and Cover for your other podcast. Yeah. I think just, like, normal people didn't know about the H-bomb right away. Oh, what? Like, it was probably being developed, but it wasn't, like... I doubt they were, like, reporting on it. Yeah. I still, like, yeah, was, yeah, I think atom bomb was just the slang term at the time. Like, yeah. now you would just say nuke, right? Yeah. And nuke could refer to any number of different... Oh, techniques. oh, and after the... the explosions uh you know doing the educational films all the time they're all they're all like caked in fallout yeah <laughs> I'm like whoa that's not good <laughs> maybe you should have taken they should have ducked and covered yeah <laughs> oops they didn't see that film which i do think predated this one by a year or two i would imagine so yeah yeah so uh that that just totally blew my mind how like nonchalant they were about the uh there's just the one kid like i'm gonna eat ice cream <laughs> that's been fallout infested. Yeah. I like, um, I like that the Tom Cruise one didn't give us a nuke scene. Yeah, well, it's a little more like the book, I guess. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, it doesn't really give you much scenes of the fighting at all, right? Well, I think the, that one, and I'm not even saying it's better or worse, that one definitely makes you feel like a lot of people got killed. Yeah. This one, not so much. This one tries to tell you they did. Yeah. But every scene, you still have huge crowds. Yeah, we only, I, I, I kept score. We only see like maybe seven people vaporized. And most of them are soldiers fighting. It doesn't have... And this is a film from 1953, so this isn't necessarily a complaint. It doesn't have scenes of indiscriminate civilian slaughter. <laughs> <laughs> they just tell you a little bit about it. Yeah. Although, um, in the rioting scene at the end, the, the white riot, um, <laughs> by the clash, um, <laughs> that, that was one of the best sucker punches I've seen, like, yeah. ever. Also, that was... Um, I'm impressed he did that in 1953. <laughs> just like the classic, like... No, the real monster is just people. They're shit. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that was a serious just out of nowhere. Yeah, he totally just, knocked the dude out. Because like, he's just a fucking science dweeb. Yeah. <laughs> he can't handle getting punched in a riot. <laughs> um, I did really... Yeah, the, the, it's like the time machine effects again. Just the, inv the invasion of L.A. is just still looks fantastic. Oh, it looks great. I mean... It doesn't, it doesn't look real, but it doesn't look fake. It just looks like here's some mad shit happening. Well, they discover the optics. That That's the hubris, too. They're like, oh, if we figure out their optics, we'll figure out everything. It's like, no, you won't. They got shields. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's almost like you're watching the invasion scene, like, because they show you a couple minutes of how it looks through the Martian mm. optics. And, I mean, you could cake up, like, the weird effects to being like you're seeing it, like, through the Martian's eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you just really did want to try and make it seem more realistic, which you don't need to, but... <laughs> but, yeah, just the scenes of, like, buildings getting smashed and shit and then just constant beams and lasers and fires and explosions it's good stuff so my notes um actually compare way more to independence day than than the uh 2000 so, yes whatever it is i movie. would say the yeah the 2005 movie is a re is a film of the book it's not a remake of this although it does have the two leads from this at the end Re oh does it yeah at the end when he finally gets to his in-laws place those are the in-laws ah okay i didn't catch on to that that's cool uh, yeah but in terms of beat for beat and stuff yeah, the Independence Day is much closer. Right, so... Just in Independence Day, the science dweeb actually does get to beat them. <laughs> not, not Data, but... <laughs> <laughs> he gets to be a... He gets to do the Men in Black but suit thing. I've also very recently watched Independence Day, because of course I watched it on Independence Day. Yeah. So I've got both of these very fresh in my mind. But yeah, like, the nuke happens at around the same sort of midway point. Independence Day treats it as, like, a big of a deal. Well, they blow up everything at once, right? And there are no cities after that. No, they're, they're doing city by city. That's true. No, I mean, Independence Day treats using the nuke as a bigger deal. Oh, right. Because, yeah, right. Um, Jeff Goldblum's like, no, don't fucking do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because we, and again, here they're all caked and fall on. Oh, that didn't work. Don't <laughs> not worry about the fact that we're breathing in the most horrible things possible right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do want the purple alien suit. That's the, uh, what, that fits with, with Hodgkinsville, what is the... Hopkins, oh, they're a little bit Hopkinsville, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought that um, seemed a little... There's, yeah. a, there's a different Pokemon which I always think looks like those guys. It, because they don't really have a head, 
Mm. They just the face is just on their torso. Um, so there's one called Hitmon Lee, who's a little karate guy, um, and I always think he looks he looks kind of like the Martians. Okay, I, I guess I was going with the purple thing. Well, I've I'm... always assumed that we see their legs. I don't think we ever see their legs. No, we see their, their We just see its upper body. Arms, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like Jaws style. We don't see much. And probably because it is a shit suit in the end. I mean, yeah. it's a fun one, but it's not a particularly good one. Uh, I did, at the end... I'm yeah, like, yeah, it's just... You just see, like, the waist up. Yeah, where he just goes and instantly grabs it at the end. Yeah. I'm like, how, how do you know he's dead? You don't know <laughs> that. <laughs> Maybe that's what they do. They like to play possum and then, like, suck your brains out, um, <laughs> like in Starship Troopers. We don't, we don't oh, know. Oh, God, yeah, that's what the book's did hardcore that this doesn't do at all is what the Martians wanted with us. Right. In the books, we are farmed for blood and they eat us. Like, all that <laughs> shit. None of that's in this. They're just, they're just destroying us, like, military style. Right. It's uh, the Tom Cruise one, is that? The, the Tom Cruise one, they, they, are, they are gathering people up and putting them in cages, but they're using their blood to grow the weed. Okay. The Which weed makes more man, sense because... They just want some ganja. The film one was like, the book was before we had any idea that huh, maybe aliens from another planet wouldn't just interact with our blood, okay? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although, it being Mars, it's close enough that you could say that actually maybe we did evolve from a common ancestor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah but, you know, like, the, you know, I mean, at some point, collision knocks stuff off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Genetic material comes over here. That's, that's not completely... I mean, but, um, it's wild, but, you know, the yeah, fact would, that we're sitting make... here at all is pretty wild, so why yeah. not? <laughs> the... So I really like the design of the aliens. I really like the design of the war machines in this. But have you ever seen the Ray Harryhausen test footage? That's what I was thinking when I was thinking about why don't they have the tripod legs? And I was uh, I immediately thought of how would this look as like a Harryhausen thing. So he actually did. He, he wanted to make this film and his Martians were the book Martians. Like right. octopus things. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I guess, pause it here and I'll show you that shit and we can talk about it. Okay. We just watched the Harryhausen version. It's they're kind of too cute. Their eyes were too cute. Yeah, I guess it was like kind of lovable in a weird way. Um, especially if it were purple as well. Yeah, the Tom, the Tom Cruise one. They have big cute eyes. They're like baby faces. Yeah. We keep saying we keep calling it the Tom Cruise one. Should we call it Spielberg one? No, nah. no, no. It's a Tom Cruise one. No, okay. <laughs> Any film with Tom Cruise in it is a Tom Cruise one. Yeah, also, I think. I think Tom Cruise had a big hand in why that film is all about him and his kids and how much he loves his kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was kind of, it was, it was a fun clip. It's, you know, Harry Housen having a fun day or a yeah. week in that case, probably, or more. I think if we, they had gone with Harry Housen stop motion, I, we could have got like nice book accurate tripods. I don't think the scenes of destruction would have been as wild. No, no. Because it, it wasn't stop motion. It was model work. Yes. So they were just smashing shit up in real time. And that's the only way to take out a city. Yeah. Harryhausen is for, again, monster battles. Um, right? Earth versus the Flying Saucers. Again, I, one that I'm not even sure I've seen. If but I that one is stop ago. motion. Oh, yeah. And it has some pretty cool scenes, like the Washington Monument getting destroyed and stuff. Mm -hmm. But the way it moves and everything, because it's stop motion, it isn't quite as visceral as this film okay. is. Okay. The, the other one that we haven't mentioned yet, of course, is... Um, Maybe this is my favorite version of the book is um, is Mars Attacks, where the aliens are just unrepentant assholes. Right. <laughs> I, Mars Attacks is really fun, but no, I'm being a little facetious. I but I just do like the fact that they're like in this movie. The uh, clearly the aliens are assholes, right? Mm. Uh, there's nothing good about them. But just being able to face them in such a ridiculous way in the movie is is so much fun, right? Well, the the, the point of this is. Their, their brand of assholery is they do not give a single shit about us. Right. <laughs> we're like, we're nothing to them, we're ants. Whereas Mars Attacks aliens are having great fun destroying us. <laughs> <laughs> it's the joy that's uh, lacking, I guess, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one has any joy in this film except for the hoedown. Yeah. <laughs> it's all downhill after the hoedown. Yeah. Hose down. Um, I don't know, what, what, 
what is this was, is it the music that has you this one so keyed into you or is there... it, it, it's like I said it's atmosphere it's hard to describe it's a combination the music helps but the music is not memorable or anything um, it's the fact that in all of the battle scenes the Martians are so imposing and we don't touch them <laughs> um, it, which is that's in the book we do kill a couple like they're not completely indestructible in the right. book, whereas in this they're just untouchable yeah um, and it's, at least until, there's a few too many scenes where they regroup with others, but for the most part, it is Forrester and Van, what's her name, Van Buren? For the rocket? For the lady. Oh, uh, sorry. I'm... Sylvia, anyway. Sylvia and Forrester are just, they're pretty much on their own going from like ruined city to abandoned house to yeah. trudging through fields. It's just, it's got that feeling of like, you're just barely surviving in a world where you are no longer relevant. <laughs> you don't, don't hang out. You know, if you ever find yourself in a sci-fi situation, maybe the farmhouse isn't the place to hang out. Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you got zombie attacks and yeah, you know, aliens deciding to land on, into the farmhouse. I mean, it just <laughs> it just doesn't work out that well there. I mean, the trick is just not to be the protagonist, right? Because yeah. shit's just going to follow you around. <laughs> oh, here's my note. Never show up with artillery to a Tesla death ray fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is, yeah. I wonder if we could have put Tesla's death ray in this movie. I think that might be what happens in that animated one I was telling you about. Oh, yeah. I think Tesla builds the, re the rematch <laughs> robot, yeah. <laughs> there was an unofficial sequel to the book written, like, back in the day where um, Thomas Edison leads a return invasion against Mars. Yeah, that's just some... I, I assume someone else has written this. It's, it's not H.G. Wells, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, uh, for books, are there any Are there any books... Because uh, there's a lot of Bond books that are not written by Ian Fleming, but mm. I don't know. I, did, I basically... No, they're not really Bond books. Right. There's that sequel, Gone with the Wind. No, no. Oh, you're thinking, is there a sequel not made by the original author that counts? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know with books, because books is, like, more than any other storytelling medium, it's just one dude, right? Yeah. And something like, um, something like, you know, Star Trek doesn't count, right? Cause it's because, yeah, but the TV like series wasn't just one person. How about Dune, where uh, we talked about a little bit before, where uh, the, his son has written way more than uh, Frank ever did. Yeah. Are those real Dune books? Like I, like I said, Dune, I've only ever read the first one, okay, so none of the Dune point. books okay. are real Dune books. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, there's the Wheel of Time, where he died before he could finish, but he'd left notes and people finished the books. Okay. That's a bit different. Well, th that's like Tolkien as well, where... Um, yeah, his know. son just put his notes together. Right, so it still <laughs> kind of counts. It's still, yeah, it's still Tolkien's ideas, right? Yeah. It's still... I can't remember the Wheel of Time off. It's still his ideas. Is is Was Plato full of shit because he was just telling a story from someone else who heard a story from someone else who heard a story yeah, from someone else and that's how you get Atlantis well a lot of the Greek the Greek myths that's exactly that's one guy writes one story and then like hundred years later someone writes a sequel yeah and yeah and now they're all considered the same shit yeah what people don't know is the, the real life Homer's Odyssey was actually quite pornographic <laughs> oh, almost certainly <laughs> the, the final version there's still a lot of fucking in it it's just, it skips is. over it, it just, uh, yeah just uh, you know half half of Homer's tale took place on, on the uh, island with what's her name yeah <laughs> my favourite theory about all of the Homer stuff is that it was basically a D&D &D game because it was a bunch of storytellers like making it up as they went along <laughs> so the reason Achilles is so ridiculous is he was just one of these guys' character, and he's just like, yeah, no, he can kill the river. <laughs> <laughs> he's a river killer. That's what he does. <laughs> so that, that twelve-year-old friend came along, and he's just like, yeah, my character's really strong. He's indestructible. He's the coolest warrior ever. <laughs> and all the ladies love him, and all the men want to be him. <laughs> oh yeah, well, everyone dies, and this one dude just sails off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that happens like five times in between those two books, too, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but again, I don't feel like it, everyone died in this movie. Yeah, they don't. That is, that's the one. They, they make it look like the city gets screwed up. They just don't. Like, they're like, everyone's evacuated, and now they're just sitting on the side of the hill, and they'll just, I mean, yeah, get some radiation and stuff. I think that's pretty true in the original book as well. It's, the like, the UK is humbled by the alien invasion, but not necessarily that high a death count, because it's all about 
people just fleeing the cities. Yeah, I guess that makes the metaphor stand out better. Yeah. Or for the intended metaphor of the original book. I right. <laughs> because, yeah, this, the final scenes in the book is he's just wandering around London and it's deserted. Yeah. It's not necessarily that everyone's dead. It's just everyone's fucked off. <laughs> uh, and the book ending is a lot more bleak than he goes to church and finds his real love. He decides life is pointless and he goes to surrender to the Martians. Well, that's what Uncle Matthew does here, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, but he, with the intention of, I'm just going to go and let them kill me. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets there and they're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, if, if you're ever thinking of ending it all, uh, you could wait five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if any of our listeners are thinking of ending it all, give it a day, because I bet you won't feel like it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, most, um, most people, if you prevent them committing suicide, won't try again. Right. What what if someone what if you're just set on standing your ground in front of the aliens though you can't can you talk someone out of that? Not but maybe you, you don't have to talk me out of it because I could fuck those aliens up with my mighty strength. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're getting vaporized real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of comic books have done like Superman versus this, these aliens or the Justice League versus these aliens or um, the second comic of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen they fight the Martians. I haven't actually read this, so. Yeah. I didn't, or seen the movie, come to think of it. I, I ah. knew nothing about The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. We should do that at some point, because that's real dumb. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's basically where... Do you know the com- what even is? What? Do you know what even is? Kind of, sort of. I mean, I know the general, it's just all the, uh, you know, like, Victorian era... Yeah, it's books, like an Avengers of shit yeah. from the Victorian era. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, I, I, know that, I know that, basically. Yeah. You know, I might have even read an issue or two, but I never just sat down, like, worked through right. the whole thing and remembered it. Let's put it that way. Because, yeah, it's got The Invisible Man, who is an H.G. Wells book. Right. That kind of makes sense to have the War of the Worlds in the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm um, sorry, I'm just looking through, and uh, this is kind of neither here nor there, but there's that one woman just with the most bizarre accent I've ever heard. Oh, the scientist lady? No, yeah. no, I think, no, I think she was on the street where so it's like, she's like, they're down in Miami. Oh, okay. Miami? What? I don't remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wrote it down because I'm like, where's Miami? And she yeah. said a couple others strangely, but not quite strange. Uh, Los Angeles, I think she gave a, a, you know, sort of the. Um, not the dude, but the cowboys uh, from Big Lebowski's eye, Los Angeles or whatever. <laughs> I think she said that too. I guess you're more tuned in to weird southern accents than I am. Well, I think it was a cowboy. It all just sound real to yeah. me. Yeah, okay, I got you. But I, I just, I, even growing up in the South, I feel like I've never heard someone say Miami before. So. Miami? Yeah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> weird uh to say i mean george powell's entire like street um you know portfolio is like kind of weird to talk about if it holds up or not yeah <laughs> i mean the fact that we do this podcast we're guys who go back and watch old 50s alien invasion movies but usually if i do some shit like that it's i want to see like oh this is so cheesy and fun and silly whereas this one i go back because it is actually still good yeah Obviously, there are elements of it, like, which we've already made fun of, which tell you that it was made in the 50s. The fact that it's just all white men. <laughs> oh, and that <laughs> one lady. And a couple yeah, of ladies. like three they're ladies. like three ladies, but yeah. <laughs> None of them have any agency. Mm. And then they just, like, stand and watch a nuke from, like, half a block away and shit like that. <laughs> but, like, the, the visuals still look phenomenal. The tone is incredible. And just as an atmosphere piece, I think it's well worth a watch. Yeah, it's it comes with a lot of riders. I mean, uh, you can't just show this to anyone, and they're probably going to take a nap somewhere. You know. Yeah, this you you have to be like in the mood. I'm going to sit down and watch an old film, but this is one that you like. You know, turn the lights off and get into it. It's not one that you just stick on at a party or whatever. <laughs> um, how, how well do you remember the Time Machine? The, I've read the book. Twice. Yeah, I mean, the George Powell's movie. Very little. Okay. I'm more familiar with the Guy Pearce movie. 
Okay, I'll, I'll <laughs> hold off to, to do a comparison until we get to that one then. But, yeah. I mean, the one I do want to compare to is um, When Worlds Collide. Well, yeah, we did a little bit of that because, uh, I mean, I, we're going to do more, of course. But yeah, just the, the, um, the whiteness of both uh, sticks right. out. But my issue with When Worlds Collide was at no point did I feel like any danger or urgency or like I gave a shit. Well, there's not a, you know, adversary except for a rock but in there's, that one. There's also, there's also just not really a, um, I don't feel like a grounded protagonist character. Yeah, like, there's I that because, drunk pilot dude. But. Yeah, but all the characters we can see, we know they're going to survive in that film. <laughs> so it, it felt like a documentary in a way. Whereas this film, you really feel like the world is ending because you're seeing so much of it firsthand and your characters are in danger and dealing with it. Yeah. Now, I, I'm definitely saying, yes, this movie's better when worlds collide, but to me, I don't know the existential dread of there's this ticking clock and just, uh, you know, a, a I rock is going to yeah, get Yeah, theoretically, us. I agree. But the film didn't deliver that in yeah. When Worlds Collide. Well, I guess it's where we talked about that one seemed to run out of a little bit of money when they were doing mm. the effects. Well, clearly in the last shot. This one, you know, it, it had it, it had the budget to do what it But it I think it's just the do. fact that none of the characters in that film acted like they felt that existential dread. Yeah, yeah, there is like... Whereas in this film, the characters do feel fucking terrified of what's going on, as they should be. Right, so, okay. Yeah. That's... that's. We say, like, this film isn't a character piece, but it does have characters. Right. Whereas when worlds collide, like, I did kind of like that pilot lead guy. Yeah. But even there, he was just playing Hollywood lead. He was just charming his way through situations. And I remember his love rival... And there was like a love triangle. Yeah, his love rival just for being like, um... Hmm... What's the word I'm looking for? I, he seemed... Hmm? Lame? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Entertainingly lame. Yeah. But it, it still but was none like, of the characters were dealing with the actual plot in any way. Yeah, they are too busy. The only scene we got that felt like that was when the um, the billionaire guy like pulled his gun and shit. Oh, yeah. That was a cool scene, though. Yeah, but yeah. I wish the film had had more of that drama. Right. Whereas this film does. Yes. So, yeah, that's what I like about this film, and that's what disappointed me about When Mods Collide. Okay, I can see that. Um... What is so? What is your favorite alien invasion film right now? Right, um, I haven't watched it in a while, but I think it might be the two thousand five World of Worlds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like Independence Day in a very different way. <laughs> oh, Dalek Invasion Earth is good. Okay, we we have to get to that, especially since we slogged through that other one. <laughs> yeah, uh, and fucked up the recording. <laughs> but um, uh, oh, I just had one pass through my brain. Yeah, one that signs. We should mention Signs a little more. I do like Signs, yeah. Yeah, I, I like Signs, too. That, um, that one's a little underrated, I think. Although, pro- probably because well, Shyamalan put himself in the movie and he wasn't good, but... Yeah. <laughs> also because that film is only good once because it makes no fucking sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and people feel weird about watching Mel Gibson in a movie now. Yeah, especially <laughs> a movie which is all about how he's right because he believes in God. <laughs> <laughs> Although he, does, he doesn't know the start of the film. Right. Well, yeah, he, uh, he doesn't get stopped. It's a weird... It's it's one that we will probably do eventually. Yeah. I don't want to do it just now because the QAnon Anonymous podcast just did it. Okay. So I don't want to just regurgitate all their opinions. No, it's not... It's not... I'm not... Yeah. It's not right at the top of this. It's just another major mm. alien invasion one I want to throw out. Um, what else is there? There's the, the Battle of Los Angeles. Ever see that? I did like that. What that did, which the War of the Worlds book does, but none of the others do, is the level of technology, they were more advanced, but still comparable. Yeah. So there was a fight. Well, they do make the point in this that biologically, they're like way less evolved than us. I don't know what my favorite alien invasion film is. Transformers 3. Oh yeah, sure, why not? Because <laughs> <laughs> that does both. That gets a bit bleak. Yeah. In like the second act. Mm-hmm. But then Optimus Prime kicks all their butts at the end. <laughs> <laughs> That's my jam. We need an alien to go kick their butts though, you know, and we're, we have to do use our own devices in these other movies. Yeah. You can't always have an Optimus Prime to, to back you, especially on oh, those yeah. periods when Don't he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, also, I bet one of the Godzillas is a good one, too. Quite a few of them are in Invasion. Yeah, yeah. Like, they, well, Astro Monsters. Or Final Wars, even. Yeah, as well, I say Final Wars, I was like, it's not quite aliens, but it's close enough, isn't it? Well, it's aliens, and they come down and tell all the monsters to attack. Yeah, okay, so that, that works. But it's more of a monster. Well, it's a Godzilla yeah, it's movie. A monster. So. <laughs> oh, that's something I've long thought, is I want to see the Steven Spielberg tripods fight Godzilla. Because <laughs> they're basically kaiju, is how big he makes them in that film. 
Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to get people's interest quite as much as the Godzilla vs. Kong. It's, it's very see, specifically but... directed at me if that film got made, <laughs> but I would fucking dig it. <laughs> well, there is a point for art that you make it for a person sometimes, right? Yeah. Because um, if you try to make it for everyone, you, you tend up with crap. Or... There's a game, a really good action game called God Hand. Yeah. And the director said usually he tries to make a game for everyone. But for this game, he just picked one guy on his staff and made a game for him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, it's like a total Marmite game. It's got people who fucking love it. But it's like a commercial flop and everything. I was like, yeah, more people should just do that. I, I think like, so. I'm just going to make the film that Steve wants to see. <laughs> it's, it's a way to do it. But the thing is, when people do connect to that sort of thing, they really yeah, connect yeah, to it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Because it is tailored for them and a few other people that, you know, are in that headspace. So. Well, you're saying, like, yeah, Godzilla vs. Kong is way more mainstream. It's still only kind of mainstream. It never does, like, Avengers numbers. So I feel like all the monster shit is being made for me. Okay. And it's not actually resonating with audiences that hard. Yeah. I, I, I do wonder if we're seeing a shift. I feel like people just, I don't know, maybe it's just a circle of people went around, but it seems people are getting more excited about monsters than Avengers these days. Uh, that's because they haven't made one for a while. Black people Widow have been losing their fucking shit about Loki and stuff on TV. Have they? I, yeah. I, I haven't started watching Loki. I guess I should. It's, it's probably trippy, isn't it? Yeah, I haven't watched any of it yet. But okay. <laughs> a lady friend recently gave me a Disney Plus password, so I might. Okay. I just, <laughs> I just kind of forgot. Did Loki finish? I forgot. No, because they're doing it weekly. No, I know, I'm just like, yeah, I forgot yeah. it even started to exist. Yeah. So. The point is, I'm getting to the point where I'm surprised that I'm kind of more getting more excited about the monsters than... Yeah, I mean, I I, I'm a little burned out on Marvel stuff, yeah. but I don't, I don't know if everyone is, because most people don't, you know, watch films as regularly as I do, so yeah. for them, there just hasn't been one for two years. Well, in the States, yeah, Black Widow just came out, and people seem to like it okay, but I'm just like, you yeah, know, don't... Care. Yeah, I just don't. I don't think. I think that's just because I don't give a shit about Black Widow. <laughs> yeah, well, nobody, right. not that many people do. Right. Go see their Marvel. Films. I'm gonna go and see Spider Man. Well, of course, it's yeah. different. But... Yeah, exactly. That's different. <laughs> how do you feel about the? Uh, I probably will see Black Widow at some point. How do you feel about that costume variant with all the gold and crap? <sighs> I'm not into that at all. No, because you mentioned you like variant suits, right? And yeah, I, but I don't like the. I don't like the Iron Manny angle. Okay. It's not the fact that it's a variant suit, it's the fact that they're still leaning into that. Yeah, because I absolutely love the amazing Spider-Man's suit. The same. More than the second one, which is more comic accurate. That first one, I was like, yeah, that's, that's cool. I like it reminded that. me of like Ben Riley's suit, which I dig. Okay, there you go. <clears throat> anyway, uh, War We're of talking the about Spider-Man, so I guess we're done War of the World. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's, it's weird. There's not that much to say about it. It's not a plot-rich movie. It's, not a char- <laughs> it's just a, a mood piece. Yeah. And I really jive with that mood. And I think if you're in the mood for just an oppressive, like, real intense alien invasion, I think, especially for a film this old, you're not going to get any better. Yeah, I, there's a lot of philosophical, scientific things to think about, but they're kind of things that don't that you're just going to set on the uh, shelf and stare at, you know? Yeah. They don't really get into you so much, which, again, maybe if you were a um, 19th century uh, person living in Africa, it, it would you know, mm. get you <laughs> well, yeah, a little I more viscerally. If, because I wasn't alive in the 1800s. I wasn't alive in 1953. I was alive in 2005. So I think that sort of thing might resonate more with us when we eventually do the Steven Spielberg one. Right, yeah, because, I mean, this one... Well, this doesn't even have the colonial angle. It's just, it's just straight up, here come the aliens. So like I said, I think what it was going for was this is what it was like to be in one of the European countries in World War Two. Yes, yes. That's the feeling it was trying to give Americans, I think. But Americans were still, I mean, of course, no home attacks, but, I mean, it's, they'd at least kind of been in it. I mean, don't, yeah. don't tell that to a Soviet, but... <laughs> <laughs> but even, even in Britain, we didn't get it like, you know, France or Poland did. Yeah. We just got the Blitz. That, that's, why, that's why the Russians had such an attitude about the Americans, right? They're like, hey, you barely got your fingers dirty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which makes sense <laughs> when you think about it. I mean, like, the fighting, especially in, like, the Pacific, was fucking brutal, but it didn't come to your home and knock on your door. Oh, well, I mean, no. I mean, nothing that Britain or America did came close to something like Stalingrad. Yeah. That was just, like, five times horrible insanity. But that was the um, the line from Futurama. is like, how did you defeat the army of killbots? Well, I realized that uh, every killbot has a set counter of kills it can achieve, so I just threw wave after wave of men at them. <laughs> 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 That's how the Stalingrad went down, which yep. um, 
maybe that's that into the meat grinder until it jams. Maybe that's where, where this film doesn't quite hold up because, like you said, it's trying to show the war, but it's showing, like, I think in 1953, it still wasn't common knowledge for an American or a Brit to know just how ridiculously horrible the Eastern Front was. Right. <laughs> They're like, oh, it was so bad with Normandy and D-Day. And it was, also, of course, but... How much did people know about what the Nazis were doing to civilians? Um, oh, okay. Uh, I'm sorry, I have to look up the name. Uh, this is one of that... It was the Nazis did it, but then the Russians covered it up. Oh. Yeah, because they didn't... Um, Give me one moment. I'll have the name. I know exactly where to look. I just have to press a button or two. Here we go. Have you heard of Bobby Yar? Oh, I have heard the name. Okay. Do you know what this is? No. Okay. You know what? This this is this is the thing. Okay. This is where where this version of World Wars doesn't quite hold up because it didn't. Americans mm. seriously didn't know what this was at the time, right? Yeah. Um, the Soviets didn't even acknowledge it existed. There's no monument. There was a. A poet that wrote about, like, there's no monument, and he was like, Hi, you know, I, I'm not Jewish, but I, I feel, you know, like, mm. like in my soul I need to be Jewish or something. Uh, we need to get the anti-Semitism out of Russia. Yeah. Um, and then Shostakovich wrote a symphony using the words, and, you know, both those guys were in 60s Russia. They weren't going to get themselves killed Stalin-style anymore, but they could have certainly been excommunicated from reality. But uh, anyway, what happened is uh, one night, that, and where is this... I, Kazakhstan, Poland, it's, it's in that, you know, sorry, I, I just gave you the place name, you can look it up. But yeah, they told 30,000 uh, Jews show up with all your stuff at this time. Mm. And we are going, to, and they all came thinking, and, oh, if you're not there, we're going to shoot you. <laughs> right. So they had, they, everyone got there expecting to go to a labor camp, they're like, okay, strip. They made piles of everything. And then just took uh, 30,000 people out and, uh, you know, just like, I got a line of people, shot them in with a submachine gun, you know, boop, 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 pushed them down. Next people have to come lie on top of them. They get wasted. And then they just covered up the whole valley. Damn. So, and uh, there wasn't a monument there till the 90s, I think. So. Well, that was fucking grim. But the reason I brought this up, <laughs> uh, this film doesn't have any of the Martians, like, rounding people up, executing them, using them as cattle, any of that shit. Yeah. Whereas... Had George Powell, like, been familiar with the Holocaust and stuff and had been trying to show this is what Europe felt like, would he have included more of that stuff? In 1953, could you? That's where I'm kind of getting at. Where, Of course, I'm not saying the film's bad right, at all, so yeah. but I just, you know, after mentioning, like, one of the most horrible things about World War II that people still don't know about much, you know, mm. um, that, it's like, this isn't enough, if that's really what he was getting at. Yeah, but that... <laughs> Was this as much as he could do at the time? Yeah, and he wouldn't have known about this stuff. Even yeah. the Holocaust itself, I, I don't think the typical American like quite knew what happened unless they'd been in the military and walked into yeah. one of these places. Well, because um, it's still something that people talk about today. How much did we know during the war? Yeah. But I think the thing that would people, you know, you read like Primo Levi's books or Diary of Anne Frank, that's how you really learn about this stuff. Because right. you could be told, yeah, a bunch of people were rounded up and, oh, yeah, it's grim, like you just said. And yeah. It's more than grim, you know? If someone was in this experience and wrote a book about it, you know, you can. But yeah, that's that. the level of existential <clears throat> dread which I think this film starts to move towards but never gets to. And so, which I do think 2005 gets closer to. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, with, and that, we'll get to that one, of course. But in that case, it almost gets a little bit uh, deflected by star power, doesn't it? Mm, well, yeah, because like when Tom Cruise is in the cage, well, you know he's going to escape. Right, right. That sort of shit. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Anyway, may, maybe maybe this movie needed the gritty reboot. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, maybe it just needed the seventies um, rock opera reboot. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We'll show. We will definitely be getting to that sometime. And maybe we'll do the Tom Cruise World of the Worlds for episode 200. <laughs> <laughs> I can't promise I can wait that long, but it'll be a fun move. Okay, any oh, yeah, happy episode 100, Matt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, no, where do they get at us? You can get at us at MLSFS Pod on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of that shit. Just search Matt and Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. And if you want to support this podcast, help us keep it online, maybe encourage us to do some extra stuff, Head over to patreon.com slash podcastiopodcastius. And if you like the music you heard in this podcast, you can find more of Matt's music at rovingstagemedia.bandcamp.com. Okay. 
So, as uh, I, I want to try and do the sound effects. Can I do it? Is that right? I was going to tell all of our listeners to go outside and touch things and get the plague. <laughs> Godzilla versus King Kong.